we are going into this series called Right on the Money. All right, it's our last, last of this series. We've done three of them so far. It's our fourth talk on money. Now, it's funny, last week we had a, a newcomers meeting in the front corner up here, and we always ask them, how many weeks have you been coming? And the ones that were saying, well, I've been here for like two weeks or three weeks, and all you guys ever talk about is money. And, and normally, we, if someone says that, you just go, no, that's not true. And this one, it's like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we have been. It's all we've been talking about is money. Um, Jim and I knew when we did this, this series that we'd be taking a chance, especially for you guys that are new and just checking it out, that it's, oh my gosh, here's the stereotype, and I can't believe you're doing it. I had a good friend that came last week, a good friend that goes to a different church but just wanted to visit us, that not hit me on the shoulder as Jim was preaching. He says, money, really, the one week I come? You know, so it's like, yes, would you be quiet and listen? You need to hear this, you know. So, um, no, we, we knew that, but the reason why we, we, we want to tackle this is because it's important for all of us. We all deal with money from, in one way or another, and we all deal with times where money has power over us. We deal with times where the, the ways that we react to things and to other people have to do with some of the other stuff that's going on in our life around money. A lot of us know the feeling of the weight that money puts on us. A lot of us know the, the out of breath that we have or the times that we wake up in the morning and go, how am I going to do this? A lot of us know the issues around debt and how much debt takes your breath away. A lot of us have, we all have some issue or some story around money, and Jesus knows that, and he wanted to speak into that because he wanted to make sure that money was not going to be an enemy of the heart. And if God resides on our heart, God, Jesus wants to, wants to address the enemies to where God resides, and so he wanted to address the issues of money, and so we have. And Jim and I have wanted to be super personal about this. We want to be honest about this. We want to share our own experiences with it. Jim was very personal about his struggle with it. A couple of weeks ago, I felt like I just stripped naked right in front of all you guys because, I mean, the things that I shared was so embarrassing. I was like, I, was like, I can't believe I'm actually going to tell the, this entire group of people that I have, was in debt and refinanced my house and then went in debt again and refinanced my house again and, and have had trouble around money for months most of my adult life and have lost sleep over it a lot of times. And I mean, I walked away from here um, just going, man, it, it, that, was, that, was, that was vulnerable to the point of embarrassing. And, uh, and, but I hope that in what we've heard from it is we've heard a number of you guys have come to us and some of you have shared some of your pain when it comes to money and, and you've found that, okay, good, there's some hope in this. And then some of you have said, yeah, and I have found great victory in the heart of, of, the, of this battle that we have with money. And I've found victory, and, and, and you've shared some of that victory that's been inspiring for us. Man, we hope that as we continue to speak into this, and as we even give you one last little piece on this, we hope that every one of us can come to a conclusion that money doesn't have to win. That the battle for money or the love for money or the, or, the, or the monster that is money or the gorilla that's on our back with money, it doesn't have to win. No matter if you have a lot and you're trying to figure out what to do with it or you have nothing and all you face is student loans or whatever it is, across the board, money doesn't have to win. Okay, so we're talking through that. Now, in the midst of all that, there's been a couple of things we've hoped come to the surface. The first one is, is the word freedom. We want freedom and finances to be linked together. We want you to understand a freedom in this. And, and a lot of times that's counterintuitive because we feel like if we're addressing it, if we're talking about it, and if we're talking about God within it, then it's not freedom. It's going to be judgment and condemnation. And it's going to be a disappointment. But now God's looking at it and going, I know the enemies in your heart, and I want you to be free from those enemies. 
There's a prison there that you guys can sit into and you don't even know you're sitting in it. And I want you set free of that, from that. God is in the business of setting us free and giving us freedom that we have in Jesus. And so we hope that, there, that, that, that you've felt a little bit of that or that you continue to put those two words together, freedom and finances. The other word that, that have, has emerged within the last couple of weeks is the word generosity. Now, we don't, we don't use that word so that you'll give to the church. I think there's a lot of people that think that Jim and I went to some class in seminary that said, here's how to manipulate people to get money so you can get rich. I mean, some, for some reason, we think that that's, you know, manipulating people 101 in, in our, in, at Fuller Seminary. You know, you think that that's what it is. You guys, we haven't taken those classes. You don't go in to get into this job to make a bunch of money, okay? Some people figured out how to. We haven't. So, um, but you don't, you, we don't do it for that. We, we're not doing this series for that. We're not talking about generosity for that. We believe that generosity is the antidote, the antidote to our greed, the antidote to materialism, the antidote to a spirit of discontentment. We believe that, 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 that generosity unlocks something in us. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. So we hope that those things have emerged and we hope that they continue to, do, to emerge. What we want to do today is do a little bit of an assessment on our hearts. Where do we stand? And then to give you some concrete things in the end, just some concrete things that you can go forward with to say, we can, it's a battle, it's real, and we can, we can have victory over this battle. Let's pray together and we'll walk through this. God, we, uh, we thank you for this series. We thank you that you weren't afraid of talking of real life stuff, real life issues, things that were on the very, very um, front of our brains and the front of our hearts. We thank you that you weren't afraid to talk about this subject because this subject all of us deal with. And we pray that you would help us today for one more week for us to drop the walls and for us to, to, to respond to you and what you want for us and the victory that you want for us and the freedom that you want for us in this, in, in, surrounding all of this that has to do with money. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, here's what we're going to do, you guys. I'm going to um, start with a, with a passage of, of Scripture out of Timothy. Paul wrote this letter to Timothy, and uh, he, Timothy was kind of his apprentice. And he was saying, here's how I want you to live this life, and here's how I want you to be able to teach this to other people and how, how we want, want them to live this life. And he starts addressing this, this area around money. Now, I want, I want to read this once to you, and I want you to kind of just kind of let it sit for a second and go, how do you first respond to this passage. What's your first thoughts that you have? So I'll read this. Of course, there's great gain in godliness combined with contentment. For if we brought nothing into the world so that we can take nothing out of it, but if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. So when you, when you hear that, when you hear that, that read, what, how do you first respond? See, for a lot of us, our defense, our first response to anything that addresses money, even as I said that to begin with, there is this wall of defensiveness that comes up. And when there's a wall of defensiveness that comes up around our insecurity that comes with this, all, all we see is the negative. 
And so when you see a passage like this, all we see is condemnation. All we see is judgment. All we see is we keep screwing up. We see words like um, temptation and are trapped and ruin and destruction and roots of all kinds of evil and pierced with many pains. And you go, see, that's why I don't want to go before the Lord with this. That's why I don't want to sit in church and waste a half hour talking about it. See, we look at that and we go, that's just, that's just going to make me feel worse. But you guys, I want to reread this, but I want us to, to filter it and have a different perspective. I want to change our frame of reference. I want this time for me to read through this, and I want you to think about a good, good father. I want you to think about a God that loves you. I want, to think of, I want you to think about a God that knows the enemies of our heart, knows the places where we can go, knows the hiddenness that's there that we don't see, that God so cares so deeply for us that he wants to address this. Hear these words from a good, good father that loves us deeply. Look at, listen to this again. Of course, there's great gain in godliness combined with contentment. For we brought nothing into this world so that we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with these. See, he's, he's teaching us how to be content. He knows that that gorilla on our back that can be money and the power of money in our lives, he knows that that can control. He knows that we can be out of breath from that. I mean, that's the way I felt with, through, through most of my adult life is just kind of this, this, this thing that wouldn't go away. And he's going, I want to teach you how to be content. I want to teach you how to breathe. But those who want to be rich, now let's make sure we understand that that's all of us. Even though you're going, well, I don't want millions. That's all right. And some of you might not want millions, but we all want more than we have. Come on, let's just be honest. We all want to be rich. We fall into temptation or trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. That might sound harsh, but all he's doing is describing the prison. He's describing the spirit of discontent. He's describing that gorilla to us. He's describing that angst that we tend to have when it comes around money. He's just saying, look, isn't this what this feels like? Isn't this what it is? He says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from their faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Hear that from a loving father that knows our pain. And he feels our pain when we go through that pain. And he's not looking at it like, come on, you guys, this is gonna, it's going to be painful. He's going, I know. I know you hurt from some of the places you've been when it comes to, the, to finances, when it comes to debt, when it comes to fear that comes around it for what you have or you don't have. He says, I know that, and I know the pain that comes. Now, listen, he keeps going. Command those who are rich in this present world. That's, again, all of us, okay? We're all rich. Isn't it weird that we all want to be rich, but we also all are rich? You know, you guys might say, no, I'm not. I hardly have anything. But if you had a choice of which pair of shoes to wear today, that's, that's more than, than, like, what, half of the world? Uh, so, so let's just admit we're all rich. And so don't look at this as this is for somebody else. This is for all of us. Command us not to be arrogant, nor to put our hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. God's going, man, I'd love to make sure your 401k doesn't shrink. I'd love to make sure your car doesn't break down. 
But he's going, but that's, that's, that's the reality of what's going to face in your, what you're going to face in your life. I'm not a God that's zapping things and, okay, your car is now fixed and your 401k is okay. He, God is going, this is, this is part of the world and the world that we live in. And he says, and, and, it's, and it's, um, it's, you, can't, you can't trust it. It's, un, it's uncertain. He says, but put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and be generous and willing to share. That's that word generous. There's that antidote. Antidote for our discontent. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation this coming age so that they may take hold of the life, the life that is truly life. You guys, that's God's will for us. God's will for us is to grow more and more into Christ's likeness. It's called sanctification. That's God's will for us to just grow more and more from the inside out into the Christ likeness and for us to take hold of life, life that is truly life. And he looks at it and he says, and I know there is a battle that is happening because here's what's happening. God has set up shop right here. See, God set up shop on our hearts. God's, God's Holy Spirit is right here. Jesus even said, man, I must leave so that my Holy Spirit can come. And he's going to set up shop right here on our hearts. The, the Old Testament, they believe that God resided in the temple. And he says, now your body is the temple and I reside right here inside of us. And he knows that there is a battle that's there between what God wants and what God is doing inside of us. And the things that we have allowed to come in. And those are the things that battle. And one of those is a discontent spirit. One of those is a, a, the battle over the power that money might have, that we've given money to have over us. And so, so those things are in contention with each other. And this is, a, this is probably the most important thing. And this is where I want us to take an assessment of the state of our hearts. Because let's think about that. If God has set up shop right here on our hearts, then here's what happens. Here's what Paul talks about in Galatians, a book on freedom. Here's what he says. If, if God has set up shop on our hearts, here's what's going to happen. There's going to be fruit that's going to be produced from God's presence on our life. Not from what we're going to try to do. From God's presence in our life, there's going to be fruit that's going to be produced as a result of that. I think about my grandma's house and she had apricot trees and plum trees and ap apple trees and grapevines up in Spokane. And, she, and, we, and you could go into her backyard and just pick from any of those things to go get an apricot. I'm, I'm hungry for an apricot, you go to an apricot. And I think about what if none of those fruit trees produced any fruit and they're just trees back there. You know, climbing a tree is, is fun once or twice, but that's it. But eating a, eating a fresh apple off the apple tree, you could, you, I'd do that every day. And so you just, I, I think about that, and I think, so, so God sets up shop on our hearts, and the result of that is fruit. And God's saying, here's what happens. My love comes forward. That's fruit of my spirit on your heart. Joy comes forward. That's, that's fruit of the spirit on your heart. Peace comes forward. He says, love and joy and peace. Now, some of you guys already know where I'm going. You know, oh, that's the fruit of the spirit. And some of you memorize them when you're a kid. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You know, you, you memorize the song or whatever for it. I could teach you that song if you want me to. It's really, really, really profound. Um, but, but, you, but let's slow that down and think about this. Because of God's presence on my heart, love comes forward. And peace comes forward. And patience comes forward. 
Kindness and goodness come forward. And gentleness comes forward. Faithfulness and self-control come forward. Not because I'm working hard on those things, but because God is present on my heart and it's coming out because that's the characteristics of God because he's existing on my heart right here. So, so think about that. When you struggle with patience, when you say, I need to be more patient, what do we do? We go, I need to be more patient. Darn it, I'm going to be more patient. Tomorrow, I'm going to start being more patient. And it lasts about a day and a half. And then all of a sudden, you're finding, I'm not patient at all. And this isn't working. And, and you just go, what's wrong with me? Well, the problem is, see, we are, we're trying to be more patient. Instead, we're going to wait. We have to address what is it that's on our heart? What's an enemy of our heart? What's, what's a spirit of something, discontent or anger or whatever, that is getting in the way of what God is doing? See, if anger is getting in the way of what God is doing, then, then we, 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 have to, we, have to, uh, we have to ask for forgiveness. Forgiveness is something that can, that can speak into anger. If, if guilt is getting in the way, confession can speak into guilt because that allows then the Holy Spirit. And if, if, if the issues of money come on our hearts, then, then we have to recognize, okay, so then, then how, how is that blocking this fruit that God has put on our heart, that God has and that God is producing in us? So, so it's, there's a passage that he talks about in Galatians. It's this powerful. Memorize this thing, you guys. Since this is the kind of life we have chosen. So this is right after he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. If this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our life. Man, I love that passage, you guys. He's just saying, don't let this just be some thought that you have in your head. Or, okay, that's nice that it settles there. Work it out in every way in your life. When you think about your children, if you, for those of you that have kids, and you go, man, I need to be more patient with my kids. I need to be more patient with them. Man, he's saying, look at it from this perspective. That it's not just I need to be more patient with my kids. No, it's what is it that's on my heart that's battling the Lord's position on my heart. Let's look at that. I see so many times in marriage where you just go, I want to be a more gentle husband. I want to be a more kind wife. I want to be a, I want to be a, a more, a, 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 someone with more peace around my marriage. You, you hear those kinds of things and you see all the stuff that they try to do about it, but what they're not addressing is what's going on on the inside. What's going on deep, deep down in here that's battling, that's battling that spirit, the Holy Spirit, and that's it's, it's keeping that from, from allowing love and joy and peace to come forward? And we can look at that when it comes to money. We can look at every one of those. Is love coming forward or are we finding ourselves fully consumed with money? Is, is peace coming forward? Or, or is peace only dependent on whether or not you get that sale and that commission? Is, is gentleness coming forward? You see, you see those words like, like uh, gentleness and kindness. Is that coming forward? That's where these are generosity words. Because we know that generosity can unlock the fruit of God's Holy Spirit that says, I'm leading with kindness and I'm leading with gentleness. Gentleness. 
And what happens is that the more you do that and the more you're leading with those things, the more you're experiencing it and other people are experiencing it as well. And there's a great joy that's around that. I've never heard of someone that says, yeah, I give, I give too much and it's, it's a drag. No one ever says that. And I would just go, man, you just learn the joy because what it's doing, it's doing is it's unlocking. It's unlocking something. And then you look at self-control. I mean, I look at all those words and I think of all those years that money had absolute control over me. I look at all those years and I just think, yeah, I was impatient. I had no peace. I was not faithful. I, I look at all of that stuff and I'm going, yeah, that's, uh, that was all part of my life. Self-control, that was probably the hardest one. I mean, shoot, Jackie and I, Jackie and I finally sat down and did our budget. And one of the categories of our budget was, um, it was eating out. And we said to ourselves, well, we never eat out. We, I mean, we never go to Bonefish Grill or to, 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 to Carrabba's or, you know, there's those. But then there's all the Denver restaurants that you guys all go to. I, we, never went, we never go to those. We never go to the nice restaurants or anything. We never eat out. And then we finally sat down and looked at like a month of, of expenses. And the expenses were Chick-fil-A. Chipotle, 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 Chick-fil-A, Starbucks, 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 Chick-fil-A, Chipotle, Chick-fil-A, McDonald's. It was a rough day. Chick-fil-A, <laughs> Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A, Chipotle, Starbucks. Jackie does all the Starbucks. I don't like coffee. So then it went Starbucks, 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 Starbucks. It's all Jackie. No, it wasn't all Jackie, but still. We looked at all that, and you guys, $450 later, we're going, we don't eat out. We have no self-control. And no idea. And it's blocking the Holy Spirit and the fruit that comes from that, that blesses us and blesses others. See, that's the reality that I think a lot of us face when we go through each one of those things. Love and joy and peace and patience, kindness and goodness and gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. We line those up and we look at where money might be disturbing that. And we say, wow, this battle is real. And darn it, I'm losing it. What can we do about it? What can, we, what, can we be, what can be done? What do we got to do to face this giant, this giant that whispers to us then, whispers, has a voice to him. And we've talked about this voice, this voice that whispers words like never. You will never get out of this. You will never make enough. You will never get out of debt. You'll never be generous. You'll never be generous enough. That voice that's speaking to you, that's saying, I win. Max Lucado wrote this book called, called uh, Facing Your Giants. Look what he says. He says, two kinds of voices continually vie for your attention. One says, yes, you can. The other says, you can't. One says, God will help you. The other lies and says, God has left you. One speaks the language of heaven, the other the language of deception. One proclaims God's strengths, the other lists your failures. One longs to build you up and the other seeks to tear you down. And here's the great news. You select the voice you hear. Because the Holy Spirit resides there, not once you've fixed something up, but no, because it resides there, the voice is there. But there's another voice that can be there that can fight that battle against that voice. And we have a choice of which one to hear. 
And this is what I love about what Lucano says here, because then he takes us right to the valley of Elah. He takes us right to the battle, right to David and Goliath. And he says, David, this is, David faced his giant that we all face, that we all have to face when it comes to money. He faced his giant and he said, and he brought out five smooth stones, five stones for the battle. And he said, each one of them represented something that we have to take to our battles and this battle is real. He said, the first one, I want to just go through each of these five things. I'll go through them somewhat quick, okay? So each of these five things. The first, the first of, the, of, the, of the stones that he brought out there that he was going to fight Goliath with, he was going to fight his battle with, was the, was the stone of the past. He had to remember, remember what God has already done and how God has blessed him in the past. And he was going to remember that this time too. Look at the passage. It says, it says, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. He had already fought a bear. He had already fought a lion. And God had given him the strength to do that. And so he went out there with great confidence with, a pl- with, a, with, a, with, this, with this stone of the past that says, if he's going to bless me there, he's going to bless me now. Look at what Chronicles says here. It says, remember his marvelous works which he has done. Remember. Remember that God has been, has, has been faithful before. And he'd be faithful today. You guys that are married, remember what year one was like? Remember your first year of marriage? You know what I never, ever hear? I never hear somebody say, our first year of marriage, we had so much money. Our first year of marriage, we didn't know what to do with it. We were buying houses all over the place and rolling in great cars. That first year of marriage, woo, salary was out over the top. Nobody ever says that on year one. It's always we parked our borrowed car in a carport and the sun, and you know it's all some terrible story of first year but you made it why cuz god was faithful and if god's going to be faithful then he's going to be faithful now we he's he's we, all of a sudden he's going to change character he's going to be faithful now jim and i have to remember that for this church you guys cuz there's times we're 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 human too and we there's times where we get fearful I mean, it's weird working in a profession where if a recession hits, we're, we got we to gotta really work hard, you know, because it hits you guys and it hits us. And there's fear. We want to pay our staff the way we want to pay our staff. We want to do stuff around this building and build out this building that, that's going to be just really cool. It's going to bless the city. We want to keep reaching out as far as we can. And so we fear it too. And we got to remember, we got to grab onto the stone of the past and say, God has been so faithful already. Why would he not be faithful now? You guys, in year one, I'm out with Jim and I are raising funds just to get this church started. I'm out hitting balls on the golf course and in my fear. And the guy guy is hitting next to me. He goes, Bill, he said, I know you guys are starting your church. I want to help you. And he wrote a check right there on the driving range for five grand. And And we're like, I mean, I'm calling Jim and going, do you believe this? I should just be hitting balls all the time, you know? (laughs) Jim and I are walking to the back back here, and and Tom Garvin, the guy that owns this building that's on it, we're on a month-to-month lease for the last six years. 
who, who tells us, you just, he says, I'll do this for you guys, but just don't make me go to church. I'll go Christmas and Easter and that's it. You know, we love that. And, and, and so we're walking back there with Tom. He, he hands us a check. This is four years ago. He says, this is the first check to your building campaign. He says, $1,000. He says, I just want to get it started. And you just go, we got to remember, if God was faithful then, he will be faithful today and he will be faithful tomorrow. The next stone he told him to pick, he, that he picked up and that he brought out there was a stone of prayer. That every single time David went anywhere, he first consulted the Lord. And when he went out there, he knew that God was going to go before him because he prayed to him. It says in, in Ephesians, it says prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Essential in this ongoing warfare. But it takes us having a different frame of reference. We cannot approach God feeling like we're going to be condemned or judged but you approach God knowing that he is a good, good father that knows the battles on our hearts and that knows the enemies of our heart and he hates those enemies worse than we do. And he wants to do everything he can to help us. And so we got to go to our good, good father and not be afraid of that and know that God will respond. The next stone that he said is a stone of a plan. David went out there with a plan. I love this because sometimes we think David went out this tiny little slingshot and he just hoped that maybe it might chink his armor just a little bit. Clink and oh gosh, I hope that did something. David went out there with a plan. He took, he took this sling and he was able to put a rock in that sling. And you guys, those guys that could hunt with those slings, they could hit something this big, a, a football field away. And, the, and it would travel almost at the speed of a bullet. David went out there with a plan, and he knew that if he slung that thing and he hit him right across the forehead, he knew that the, the, the giant would fall. He knew that. He went out there with a plan. And we have to have a plan, you guys. When it comes around our finances, we've got to have a plan. For those of you guys that don't have a budget, you've got to start. For us, in starting with a budget, the first thing we had to do is we had to, we had to make categories. I know that sounds simple, like, of course, you make categories. We, we had to make just categories, and we didn't know how to categorize, so someone helped us. You guys, if you want the categories that I've used, I'll email them to you. Email me, and I'll email them to you. I'm not going to give you my numbers that are on there. I've embarrassed myself enough. But I, I'll, I'll at least give you my categories, okay? So you can at least see where, how you might categorize how you're spending your money. And then you got to go through and you got to put how much you've spent. And, and that's hard to do because you get to that eating out and you're going, holy crap, I can't believe I did that. And you got to put all those in there. And then you got to put your new numbers in there, the numbers that fit the actual income that we have. And that means that you might, instead of 450, it might be 75. And that's the new reality that you're going to live into. And you start to go, okay, okay, now I, now I know what I got to do. But then you got to come up with a plan for how you're actually going to implement this. To take it off of a page and you know, just off of words and, and numbers and actually implement it. For Jackie and I, it was a friend of ours that walked through the whole envelope thing in cash. So we go to the bank every single month and take out cash and do it that way. It's a ver version of Ramsey. You guys, that works for us. There's all kinds of implementing tools to help you in this. But you got to have a plan. You also have to, plan, have to have a plan around your giving. When Jamie talked to me about my budget, he said, what's your plan in giving? And I'm going, I don't know. I don't have a plan. you got to have a plan around your giving because we know that generosity unlocks, unlocks goodness. Generosity unlocks kindness. So we got to have a plan around your giving. Here's what a lot of us will do. We will say, well, my plan is when the need comes, I'll give. And when, I'm in, when, I, when I have enough, I'll do that. But here's what happens. 
every single month, there's something that's going to get in the way of that plan. Every single month. Something will happen. Your car will break down. Your kids will need something. You're going to need to make a payment, and it will get in the way of, your, of that plan. And that's why it's encouraged to do percentage giving. Now, again, do not look at this as, oh, here's Bill's pitch for the church. Your percentage giving could go to lots of different things. But when you start to think about it going, I want to give, I'm gonna, I want to give 4% of what I make. To, 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 to wherever I need to give it to. But then it comes right off the top and you start to learn what that's like. Okay, I gotta, I'm, I'm going to be giving. Some of you have heard, you know, well, what about this 10% thing? What about what God's saying around 10%? Well, I think that, I don't, I don't know if God wants us to be legalistic about that. I think God is just looking at that and saying, look, I just want you to be able to give to a point that you really feel it. Because the more you feel it, the more you'll experience the joy of what, how that unlocks that kindness. You're going to experience the joy of generosity, and I want you to feel it. And so I think God's going, I think 10% might be a good amount that will help you to feel it. But you know what? You can go way beyond that if you want to. So what's your plan? What's your plan? And if it's four, what's your plan to make it five? What's your plan when it's, it's 10, make it 11? So that we, you can continue to experience what that's like to just unlock and unleash kindness. Not only to meet the needs that God has out there in this world, but also to, to bless you in what you're doing. We've got to have a plan. There's two more, okay? God has a, he has a stone of passion, you guys. David went out there with a massive passion to conquer his lion, to conquer his Goliath. Listen to what he says. It says, it says, uh, it says, Goliath moved closer to attack. David quickly ran out to meet him, reaching for his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone. He hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. Man, we got to have a passion to, to face our Goliath. We got to have a passion to live with purpose and to respond to the need and step away from the prison cell. We got to have a passion around that to say, I don't want to have this burden on my shoulders anymore. I'm tired of this, this monkey on my back or this gorilla on my back that won't go away. I'm tired of being, to being, to, 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 to giving in to this power. I'm tired of a spirit of discontent. I want love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control to pour out of me. And so I'm going to attack this Goliath with passion. And then the last stone was persistence. A stone of persistence that we kept going. Here's something a lot of people don't know. See, David fought Goliath, but later on in, this, in 2 Samuel, he fought four more Goliaths, descendants of Goliath. It says these were descendants of the Goliath of Gath. He fought four more. He kept going. He had to keep fighting. It was persistence. It, said, it's, it says this in Lucado's book. It says, imitate him. Never give up. One prayer might not be enough. One apology might not do it. One day or one month of resolve might not suffice. You may get knocked down a time or two, but don't quit. Keep loading the rocks. Keep slinging the sling. Keep going. We got to have persistence because this is the reality. The battle is in front of us. The battle is right there. And if we, if we have God go before us, he was passionate because he knew the Lord was going before us. He, he had a plan because he knew God was listening. He, had, he went to God in prayer because God re would respond. Man, God goes before us in this battle and he says, grab those 
five smooth stones, go out on that battlefield, and let's, let's attack this giant, and he will fall. There is hope. He will fall. He will fall. There will be freedom in this. And you'll get to experience a fruit in your life and other people will be blessed by it as well. We have to recognize it. Take up the weapons that he's given us to take up and fight the real battle that's in front of us. Father, we pray that you would, you would help us as we, as, we, um, as we each face our own unique, specific stories within this. God, I know that every one of us could be raising our hands right now and saying, yeah, but what about me and my situation? Yeah, yeah, what about? God, I know that you address every one of us. And you know there's a, there's a battle there. You know there's a giant there. You know that you are there. And God, help us to recognize you. Help us to recognize your power. Help us to recognize the problem, the need to surrender, the need to be honest, the need to face our own embarrassment. And God, we pray, we pray that we would reach you and see you as a good, good father that loves us dearly, that wants to fight our battles with us, that has the power to overcome the giants. God, we pray that we would see you as that good father and come to you with confidence and humility and ask that you would help us. Help us to walk through this. And, and God, we pray that each one of us would be able to claim, claim a great victory over this giant. It's in your name we pray. Amen.